quick note before you start listening to the episode. Uh, the audio quality on this one isn't uh, great throughout. The interview with Kate Perry is a phone interview, and with Nick Wright, there was this weird scratching that was kind of going on with some of his audio. So, yeah, unfortunately, it's not the best audio you'll ever hear on the podcast, but we cleared most of it up, so it should be uh, listenable. The Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by Ore Cycling Apparel. They make great fitting pro-level cycling kit made with coffee grounds, so that's eco-friendly as well. And five trees are planted with the purchase of every garment. If you're out and about and want to be seen in some good-looking cycling kit, go check out www.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger and I am very lucky to be joined by Nicholas White of Oliver's Real Food Racing, uh, the man who is recently crowned the Zwift National Champion of Australia. Uh, Nick, good to, good to finally get you on the podcast. Hey, yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's uh, always good to join on a podcast and um, yeah, always good to have a chat. I, I said, I think it was uh, maybe in the aftermath of Grafton to Inverell 2017 and I said the White Brothers it's not long until they take a big win and you guys you've been you've been keeping me waiting for a while because because you've managed a bunch of seconds between you and um maybe a few VRS <laughs> wins in there as well um but if you know finally we got we got a national champion jersey out of you I mean even if it is a virtual uh, yeah no it's good I'm obviously still in the NRS on the road just knocking at the door at that uh, win, hoping it'll come one day. No, it was good to take out the Zwift National Champs. I wasn't really sure if I was going to do it until about 24 hours before, and sure, he just said I should have a crack at it. So, uh, yeah, I thought I'd give it a dig, and, yeah, it was a good race, and um, I was pretty happy with the result. <laughs> yeah, of course, um, Pat Shaw is a old podcast veteran, um, and he's, he's always been talking you up as the boy from Ballarat who is going to um <laughs> What's the, what's the relationship there? Um, yeah, so sure, he's my coach, which is good. Um, he's been, yeah, a lot of help. He's obviously just a wealth of knowledge, um, which has really helped me out over the last few years. And, yeah, it's always good to have a coach from your hometown um, who you can train with all the time, and he's just full of tips, which is, yeah, forever helpful. And you're similar type of riders as well. I mean, you're both quite fast at the finish and can get over a few climbs as well, and probably one ones that are better for those harder races is that where you see yourself as a as a sort of rider yeah i guess um that's probably where the races i'll get my results in i think just like where it's a bit harder a few climbs even and um reduced bunch kick is yeah probably the ideal situation for me but yeah i've just been trying to get results where i can in races i guess and um have managed a few results in some flatter races and some ones that are a bit hillier but yeah just knocking on the door for that Hopeful win one day. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be too far off, as we'll discuss. We'll discuss um, in the podcast because you were very close at the King Valley. Uh, first of all, let's talk about uh, Zwift National Championships, actually, because I'm interested to hear about the um, what what the competitors think about it. I mean, it's a bit. It's very different from riding on the road from uh, what we've seen. There's power ups. Um, there's a different sort of competitor base out there um, from what we see on the National Road Series. Uh, what's it like from your perspective? You've got a completely different crowd to what you get in the NRS. Like you'll get a few rides from the NRS jumping in on it, but um, 
No, it's heaps different and it's good. It's uh, full of a lot of guys who are pretty strong, got a very good power to weight, which is uh, always good training and good to test you out in a race. Um, but in terms of the racing, it's, uh, yeah, it's really good. It's a bit different. Like you've still got, obviously, you can sit in and um, there's a lot of tactics come to play still in terms of when to go. If you're more of a climber, that's obviously going to help on the hills. There's a fair few hills around the Zwift courses. There's different flat races you can do. So, yeah, there's a lot of tactics that come into play still. And obviously you've got the power-ups, which had a big advantage because it's about when to use them, um, like the aero power-up if you're in a sprint, uh, which I'm not sure if you saw on the national champs, I used that about 300 metres to go. Um, or you got the feather power-ups, which are coming to handy on the hills to close down their gaps. But yeah, no, it's really cool racing. I think Zwift have really captured the market here on something and they've just blown it out of the water. Um, it's just growing more and more every day. Go do a quick break and we'll come back with the tour of King Valley. And we're back talking tour of King Valley with Nicholas White of Oliver's Food Racing. The tour of King Valley, it's an it's an interesting race and it's probably my favourite on the calendar. Unfortunately, I couldn't go this year because I had work commitments up in Sydney and it holds a a distinguished place in the racing calendar because of its Strata Nero stage, which is a sort of combination of dirt and gravel uh, climb up and a big gravel climb up there. Um, and apart from that, it's a varied road with some hills, some short time trial and a crit there. Um, what, what, what place do you think it holds in the NRS um, calendar, Nick? Yeah, well, uh, it's, as you said, like it's just a completely different race. There's no other race really like it in the NRS calendar um there's a short prologue which is starting to pop into a few more races which was kind of set by tour of tasmania and i really think that's a great idea it kind of sets the scene for the race besides gc a little bit and it's just really fun for the riders to do i think um and then yeah we're straight into the dirt stages or strad nero stage especially which is just yeah, it's kind of Australia's version of the Paris-Roubaix, I guess. Like, we don't have any cobbles down here in Australia, so being able to race on the dirt is just something different. Don't get it in any other race. And it's just something that, yeah, suits different types of riders um, and, yeah, mixes it up. A bit different to riding on the standard bitumen roads. It turned out to be quite an interesting race. Um, I'll just bring up some of the results here. And it started off with the 1.6K time trial it was a surprise winner in jensen playwright from drapak oh he's not from drapak he raced with drapak in the at the two of the great south coast but he he's an he was an individual rider for this one i think anyway he took a surprise win there over sam wellsford the track star who would have been the big favorite going in and then it was tristan ward he was the eventual winner of the race was in third there just a short sharp effort there nick nothing too 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 much to write home about yeah it was pretty reasonably technical course made more technical by the uh, torrential rain that was going on all morning um so it was one of those things like how much confidence you had going through corners was a big uh big play in that uh so yeah and obviously just down to pure watts really and um yeah so I, personally it wasn't too great I didn't have the confidence through the corners, um, but yeah, just limited losses for myself. But yeah, hats off to Jensen, really strong ride by him. Um, and yeah, Sam Wellsford and Tristan Ward, ever consistent. 
I know his name from the track, Jensen Parrot, but um, I can't say I know too much about him other than the fact that he's a you know a very young guy who obviously got a massive motor. I haven't seen him too much in the NRS, but uh, just around Victorian races, um, he's got a huge power output, can sprint, uh, and yeah, he can really handle himself through corners. So yeah, it was a perfect race for him, and um, he nailed it. Yeah, will be certainly a name to follow in the future. Um, going on to the second stage criterium, it seemed to be pretty wet and slippery out there. There's some uh, nice conditions out there on the second stage. Yeah, well, with a field of 100 and I think 40 or so people were in the race, um, it was always going to be a battle for position, and especially in a course like that where it was just super wet. Uh, it was a bit of an ice rink really out there. <laughs> a lot of people were just crashing Um Obviously, the conditions just weren't ideal for it, uh, and it was pretty hairy in the middle of the pack there. There weren't too many crashes in the first 20 wheels, but, um, yeah, it seemed to be for the first half an hour of the race, I just saw people constantly joining the race after taking a lap out. Probably a pretty smart tactic by a few of the guys, and I guess if you're in cycling, you know that as soon as you see a crash, if you're near it, put your foot down, take a lap out. Um, it's the best course of action, really. But, yeah, 1.6K circuit was just the prologue course in reverse. Um, so, yeah, no, very helpful to take a lap out and also good for if you're down the back to move up to the front. Stage three, and that was the iconic Stradonero stage. It's, it sounded like it was mostly um, all together in the, into the dirt sections where we've, we finally saw, you know, a big explosion that we expect from that stage. And in particular, it sounded like um, it was a decent pace set up the climb there. 30 or so K was just your standard early break trying to form. Um, nothing really going. A few breaks would get a few minutes on the Palo, but um, not even that, maybe a minute. Um, yeah, nothing was getting too far out. Ben Marshall from our team went solo a few times, which at the end of the day earned him the most aggressive jersey. Um, but yeah, everything was back together by the first KOM, and then it's into the second dirt sector, which is the Stradonera. Um, and yeah, Ben along sent a set a pretty uh, mean pace up there for the whole climb. I think it's about seven, eight minute climb. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it was pretty solid the whole way. And I think going over the top, there was probably only um, maybe in the front main group and then just a few people off the back, which all came together to about a group of 25 after the descent. Yeah, from there, it sounded like there was still plenty of attacking left to go because Benelong had done it to try and isolate Sam Wellsford or actually get rid of him, ideally, but Wellsford was still up there on the front. Um, from all accounts, he was he was very strong in um, closing down a lot of moves and then initiating his own moves in that break. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, um, yeah, he was obviously left isolated. Uh, he was the only ACA rider to make it over, and a break went up the road. Um, that looked that was pretty dangerous. Both Wellsford and I missed it, and we're both um, in that front group by ourselves. So we're just kind of attacking. Um, and hoping that Raf or Benelong would just get on us. Um, and by the end of the third dirt sector, which I think is about 8K long, that came back. Uh, and then there were, yeah, a few more attacks just going off front, which was kind of good to keep the momentum up of our group, getting caught too quickly by, I think there was a chasing group of 40 behind us. Yeah, eventually our group split into about a group of 10 on that main road coming back in with about 20k to go um then that the big group behind joined up so i think there was about 40 guys in that and from what i've heard aca were chasing pretty hard in the gutter by the end of the stage it was only a 14 second gap 
seen them come in and the, when you uh, managed to sneak a glance over the shoulder? Yeah, well, with 10K to go, um, I was pretty, my confidence wasn't very high about us staying away, but I knew this was the one chance we had, so I knew we just had to keep riding hard. Yeah, there was probably only about seven of us in that group of 11 uh, chopping off pretty hard. But yeah, I was very nervous, to say the least, about whether we'd actually stay away or not. And we saw that late attack by Tom Kaysler of Drapak EF. And to be honest, he went that final little chicane into the San Miranda winery there. And when you do that, normally you win. Kind of expected there was going to be an attack by someone with about a K to go. Um, and yeah, he was probably my hot favourite for who was going to attack. He's a very aggressive racer, so um, yeah, he obviously took every chance he could. I was just kind of personally banking on Ben along having three guys there, so I was hoping they would um, get organised, and so I just knew I had to be near them. Brendan Davids got on the front and pretty well rode TK back before the sprint to the corner happened. What What was the feeling there? Were you gonna? Do you think you're gonna beat him? Yeah. Well, Brendan pulled off about 500 metres to go. Um, so I was just kind of left in a position where I was like, oh, it's, it's too far to open up a full sprint, but it's uh, it's too close to just sit up and wait for someone else to come in front of me. So I was kind of left like a left on the front there. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a nervous moment there for a while. But then once Tristan kicked, I knew I just had to, it was a race for the line pretty much. And he got there first. Um, and yeah, through that corner, it's, after that, it's pretty hard to come around someone with about less than 100 metres to go, really. So you took the second there, um, move up on GC, and it would be onto the fourth stage. A bit more of a hilly affair. There's some open areas where you can get hit crosswind, and they added a new dirt section. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was pretty nervous coming into it, but it was only, I think, a bit over a 1K long, so... Um, at the end of the day, it probably wasn't going to do much to the Palo. It was just more about staying up the front and trying to avoid any crashes. Yeah, I'd never done that dirt section before, so I didn't know whether it was usually loose or wet or what was going to happen. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty compact, which was good. It got pretty rough towards the end, but um, I think everyone in the Palaton got through it without any incidents, which was good. And then straight after that, it was into the first KOM. I went over the top of the, first, the second KOM with Liam. Um, and yeah, and there was a group off the front that I think might have included Tim Rowe and Ryan Thomas. And just as that got caught, their group kind of went. Um, and so that was probably with about 40K to go. Yeah, that was that was what we were getting off Twitter. But it was, yeah, it's kind of sparse updates. So you didn't know what to trust, what not to trust. But I don't like it when I'm not there and I can't see it with my own two eyes because I all <laughs> went. And it was pretty dangerous. From the sounds of things, Ben Long uh, didn't want to chase. They must have been uh, happy with uh, Tim Rowe being in that breakaway there. Yeah, well, for about 20K, I thought it was just Liam McGuinness off the front solo. And so, yeah, I wasn't too worried. I was fairly confident Ben Along or ACA would chase that back. But yeah, then after... After discussing with my brother, I found out that there was actually a group of four off the front. Yeah, so that made me a bit more nervous because that meant Ben Along weren't going to chase. Obviously, Mobius weren't going to chase. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of just banking on ACA, trying to bring it back. Um, but, yeah, no, I think Ben Along were quite happy to leave it because at that point, Tim Rowe was only 40 seconds down um, on equal time with McGuinness. So I think they were hoping that uh, he'd be able to get a few time bonuses on him and win overall if they stayed away. So, yeah, that definitely helped Ben along having a few cards to play there. Yeah, it's a bit of a gamble, though, which is uncharacteristic of them. I mean, you'd, you'd have thought in Keener to have the stronger position with Ward, but um, 
no, they were they were keen they were keen to let ACA do a lot of work, and in the end, it paid off because um, by the time ACA came into the line, I mean Wellsford was left essentially. Um, I mean they they caught the they caught the uh, bracket four, but Wellsford was essentially left on his own to do his own positioning there in the sprint, which helped you guys out. Yeah, ACA kind of started their lead out about ten k out. Uh, so I was wor- I was kind of in I wasn't I was in two minds about whether they'd actually be able to hold that lead out that pace they were holding for full time. Um, but yeah, going through that last roundabout, uh, I think Wellsford still had Cal O'Brien or Toby Orchard, one of those two, in front of him. Um, and so yeah, they were doing the job for him. Yeah, my teammates got me up to Wellsford's wheel, so I was happily sat in there. And yeah, I was quite strong out at that point. So I thought that was that was going to be the final position, like Wellsford and myself going into the corner. And then yeah, just Tuvi and Wardy came flying past with about 500 meters to go, um, took us off guard a bit. So yeah, that kind of sparked an early sprint. Um, and yeah, just like the day before, it's a race to that corner at the end of the day. And um, yeah, Wardy played it perfectly, and he went around that corner like a MotoGP rider. <laughs> Yeah, so it's always a dramatic finish there when you come, you know, absolutely tipping it, tipping it into that corner there. Um, unfortunately, there's that little speed bump after, just before the line. I was, I was, saw that and people hitting it at, you know, you know, 60, 70 k's an hour. Like, yeah, no, it's not ideal. You kind of have to, um, yeah, you have to play that speed bump well and know it's coming up. Otherwise, if you're full, full on sprinting through it, it might be enough to tip you off the bike. You just got to take the pressure off the handlebars a bit as you hit it, um, which isn't ideal, but at the end of the day, everyone has to go over it. So it's not as if it's an uneven playing field, I guess. In the end, it was Tris taking another win, a very tight win um, over over you. It looked- oh, that, that would have been the, yeah, on stage three, it was about that close, but he uh, got me by about a bike length, I think, on stage four. Um, yeah, he, he went through that corner with ridiculous amount of speed and yeah i just at that moment i knew there was no way i was holding on to him through there so yeah he took the win uh, over yourself in second and yeah. in third it was jared drisner's yeah the youngster from south australia has been really impressive and that was also the way it played out on gc not jared sam wellsford is third there yourself in second and tristan moore in first um it's been as you mentioned, a long time taking a lot of second places, taking a lot of those good GC results. Um, and I know you're really busting to get through for that win. You must be uh, pleased nonetheless with the consistent nature of your performances so far. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm pretty happy with how everything's going and the form's been good. And yeah, to just do back-to-back NRS podiums is not something I would have thought I'd be doing this time last year. So uh, yeah, obviously can't be disappointed with that. I've seen you get um, shots at, um, at representing, you know, a high level with, again, through Swift, actually. You um, got the opportunity with Dimension Data and get to in sort of a mini Bachelor style who gets the rose <laughs> situation. At the and as they said, it could have been any one of you guys because you were all very strong. Are you, are you looking to take that step up to that next level? And um, where do you see yourself do, doing that if you if you can? Yeah, no, for sure. Obviously, taking the step up and constantly trying to move up is the ultimate goal. Um, yeah, it'd be really nice to do some big races over in Europe uh, in the coming years. But yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. And um, yeah, hope hopefully I get presented with an opportunity of some sort next year to be able to do that. 
Um, and yeah, obviously nationals early January, that's just going to be a huge goal and, um, a huge pivotal point in deciding what happens for the rest of the year. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the, the dream would be to, uh, be able to go well at nationals and hopefully do some nations cup races next year. But yeah, we'll just have to see what happens and hope for the best. Great to see young talent develop on the national scene and then go on and do, do Australia proud overseas. So all the best what's your planned approach to nationals um yeah yeah for sure well at this at this current plan i'll probably um take a break even earlier than that probably before gippsland um and then yeah depending on where the national road series standings are after amy's i'll either uh do gippsland or have that off um but yeah i'll be doing tourist southland over there in New Zealand, which, um, yeah, that should be a good race to just get the legs going again, get a bit of intensity back into it before we tackle Tour of Tasmania and Giro del Donna. And yeah, and then after that, it's just uh, five or oh, six weeks probably to nationals. So it's, yes, full-blown nationals prep training around Bunnyong. I don't think many people do Southland just for a bit of intensity. It's a it's a pretty hard for a race to just be jumping back into. Yeah, no, uh, well, it's a race I've always wanted to do. And, yeah, it looks like a really cool race. And I love the South Island in New Zealand. So I just thought it'd be a great opportunity to go do it. And, uh, yeah, just a good opportunity to race and see what happens. Good luck over there. I mean, I mean, you. I would normally say you're good enough that you don't need luck. But over there, everyone needs luck. So. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Cheers. And, yeah, that should just about wrap it up for this. That's for... Thanks to Nicholas. Thanks to all of his Real Food Racing who were kind enough to lend you out to us for a little bit to have a chat. And that should just about do us for wrapping up the tour of King Valley. Uh, thanks again, Nick, for joining us. Cheers. Thanks for having me, Jamie. We're talking now with Kate Perry of Specialised Women's Racing who won the tour of King Valley from Gemma Eastwood of Holden Team Gusto and Grace Brown also of Holden Team Gusto of course. The stage winners were stage one was won by Ashley Ann Kudinoff, stage two by Georgia Baker of St Luke's Health, third stage by Kate Perry and fourth stage was Grace Brown who will be off to the World Championships next month. Okay we'll jump straight into our interview with Kate Perry. Going into the race, I mean, um, obviously the the ambition is always to win. But was this the um, was this on the cards for you going? In? Personally, no. So basically, we're coming into the tour. I guess we're sort of basing it off, you know, what happened in the previous tours, and normally that it was a a sprinter who can sort of get over those climbs that normally ends up taking the win overall. So going into the tour without knowing how everything was going to pan out, we sort of had the. Uh, I guess vision in um, vision that Ash would be our our rider that we would work for, given that the time trial was going to be a 1.6k pretty much prologue. Um, so on paper we thought, yep, Ash is probably going to be our best chance there. And we always pretty much with every tour we want to sort of go in with um, teams classification in mind and you know to get on the podium a few times. So. So yeah, we had the the first day pretty much went as expected or as planned and hoped in that Ash took out the first stage and then you know ran second in the in the crit that afternoon. Um, but then yeah, we again were sort of working for her on the on the third stage because we basically wanted to keep it all together. So then when Gemma jumped up the road, it was sort of my job I guess to mark things coming into the first sprint and. 
little did we know that the break was going to end up staying away for that long and get out as as far as it did. So, yeah, I guess we sort of acted on the road on the third stage, but it definitely wasn't the plan if you had to ask me last week what, what we were going to be doing going into the tour. Mm, it was somewhat of a speciality of yours, though, going into those long breakaways and, and making them work. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. I think, uh, yeah, you know, like working in my favour is that, you know, I am, I guess, used to those sort of long, hard hard days. And, um, yeah, you know, it's never never my intention to get up the road with, you know, one other, but it seems to be a, a flavour of the of the month when you look at, I guess, my most successful sort of NRS stages and, and tours. So, um, yeah, I was fortunate that I had Gemma. Well, I, you know, Gemma was a, a strong, uh, strong companion in the breakaway, so she pretty much did the majority of the work as, you know, it was pretty much my job just to market. So... Yeah, again, that worked in my favour towards the end when we knew that it wasn't going to come back. But, um, yeah, I guess you could say it. Yeah, some, someone actually said to me yesterday, he's like, oh, you seem quite antisocial. Why don't you just try sitting in the bunch? And I was like, oh, there's no fun doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what, what, were you surprised during that stage? Because I was hearing some of the time gaps out on the road were saying like eight minutes and around the, the base of the Australian Nero climb there. Were you, were you surprised? Um uh, yeah, I was, and then I heard that at one point that Georgia Baker, because when I, you know, counted to the girls afterwards, they said that Georgia Baker had gotten a flat, which basically the peloton sat up and and waited for her to get back on. So that probably meant that you know our gap blew out as far as it did, and um, yeah, it just sounded like there wasn't a lot of cohesion in the bunch, which meant that there was no real chase um, until I think you know Grace Brown decided to to see if she could bring it down at all and get some get some points up on the uh on the climb on the Strata Nero. But yeah, I think it was just one of those one of those days that you don't really expect to sort of pan out the way it did. And it's the iconic stage of, of that race, the Two King Valley. Um it it is is it more special because uh you get you get the chance to do it over those dirt roads? Um yeah, I definitely think it's iconic and it's one of those stages that, you know, you go into it and it's you know, I heard Scott McGorry refer to it as the, you know, Perry Roubaix of Australian cycling, and I <laughs> that's a bit rich. But I mm. guess in the same sort of, I guess, approach that, you know, anything can happen on the day. You know, you can ride your best race and be struck with, you know, the unfortunate lack of punctures or, or any sort of thing that can happen. So I think, you know, each time you get through that stage year after year, you sort of breathe a sigh of relief. And um, yeah, it's, it's very unique in that it's got all the dirt sections, but. It's also just a, an interesting route as well. So, like, you know, that course does sort of throw everything at you. And then if the weather's up, that adds another element. So, yeah, it's definitely an exciting stage and probably one of the best on the calendar. And going into the final stage, um, obviously last year was um, that was a stage where it unfortunately came, came apart for you, for your team there. But um, you, you came out of this one with happier memories, um, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we, uh, in, yeah, a, f- a few people said to me sort of before the stage, oh, you must be pretty comfortable. And I was like, oh, well, no, not <laughs> not when you uh, remember what happened back to last year. So, yeah, you can never be too comfortable. But, um, yeah, we, we rode a really strong race today. And, you know, even when Grace Brown got off the front, we didn't stress, we didn't worry. We just, you know, knew what we had to do to, to maintain our overall lead. And I think we, we executed that very well. Um, and and personally for you, um, it's been you know a, trem- a, t- a tremendous career on the local scene. We've seen you accomplish a great deal of things. Going to um, I think probably your nationals podium, your national TT podium is going to be 
um, always up up there as one of your favourites. But uh, where does this sit amongst amongst those results? Yeah, thanks, Jamie. I think um, yeah, it's it's a special one for me in that I guess one, it was sort of I guess unexpected and it wasn't necessarily a targeted race of mine, but also because like this is yeah one of the few times I think you know you can look back and well not few times but fortunate times rather that you can look back on it and say that this is a complete team effort you know and I think it's it's pretty special when you've got a team of women who on paper anyone can win the tour but then you know depending on what position we're in we just we ride it as a team and and you know you can't you can't plan that you can't put that down on paper that's just you know the pure joy I guess of, of being in a team that supports one another and that's probably what was the most sort of I guess special moment for me in this that I'll look back on this particularly today's stage when we're all swapping off and you know that's that's something that you don't forget in a hurry. And it and I suppose we'll move on to talking about your second success of the weekend uh, now and that's um, one of your athletes uh, Tristan Ward taking out the the men's the men's race as well. Um, and I saw some saw some of your action, uh, interactions on social media uh, congratulating each other. I mean, it, <laughs> it appears that you two have a really good, um, you know, relationship there. Yeah, we do. I think I like I've been working with Tristan for a number of years now. Pretty much when he started, I guess tackling more road, sort of transitioning across from mountain biking and. You know, I've been working with him when he was still on the talk team and then a number of smaller NRS teams. And, you know, we worked really hard on consistently just getting his load up there and, you know, get I guess preparing him for the demands that road racing has. Particularly that was the main thing with, you know, mountain biking. You don't really have necessarily the same demand in terms of load because you just, you know, the races aren't as long and, and whatnot and they don't have as long a tours. So... It's been a few years and then we we're fortunate, you know, that he uh, managed to get a spot on the Benelong Swiss Wellness team at the beginning of this season, which was a huge confidence booster, I think, and, you know, an environment where it can really sort of help him develop even further as a rider. And King Valley, you know, it was one of always one that we thought that he could do well in, um, purely by the, you know, his, I guess, strengths on the bike, but then also his skill set. Like, it's definitely one that you need to be able to, hold your bike upright to do well in and um, yeah I think we saw that today and particularly in his quite a spectacular sprint finish there coming around the corner into the winery and um, yeah just consistently he's been performing I guess better and better each race as he goes along developing um, both on and off the bike so yeah it's a huge pleasure to see and it's really nice <laughs> it was quite a surreal having both of us win the same tour that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, what what's the difference in emotion? I mean, um, obviously you're you're happy for yourself um, when and you know even euphoric in some in some senses, but there must be a certain amount of pride, professional pride that you get from um, seeing somebody you've interacted with for so long um, and you know developed um, as a road rider go on and take a take a big result like that. Yeah, I think so, and I think you know it's not necessarily like pride as a, as a coach, but more as a well, as a mentor and a friend as well, like, you know, we're, we've both, um, I guess we're both good for each other in, in different aspects and, you know, where I can help him out, he equally helps me out. So, yeah, I think it was more, yeah, as much of a, yes, that was a, a great athletic performance. It was just more, I guess I was just pretty stoked for him to, you know, to put his head down and have a target and, you know, really carry it off in, in a race that was quite challenging. Um, you know, he's got some very, very high competition there in, with Wellsford and even, you know, we saw Nick White was 
is on form. So yeah, it was more just I guess a almost like a proud big sister moment, if anything. And um, I just wanted to talk quickly about the the place of the NRS at the moment. Um, how do you think it's sitting from you, you've done you know a number of seasons now in the NRS? Um, how do you, how do you see it developing at the moment? Um, yeah, I definitely think it's probably the season where we've seen the most change in terms of the the uh, I guess the calendar and you know what's on offer. I think um, hands down the coverage already. I think is is you know has come along in leaps and bounds in terms of just making it accessible to those back home. Um, you know, I've already had a number of people comment from this tour and just being able to share what actually happens and show people, um, you know, what the NRS is. I think that's great. And the fact that we've got a, a lot more sort of men's and women's tours co-run is, is great as well. Um, I think that just sort of builds the atmosphere. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's definitely heading in the right direction. It's um, It'll be interesting to see how the second half of the, the season pans out in that it's, it's a lot later in the year. Um, and I got wind over the weekend that the National Crit Series is going to overlap with, with Tour of Tasmania, which I think will be interesting um, for the bigger squads, I guess, that have two can run two teams, then, then sure, I, I don't really see that being a hindrance. But for the smaller teams, it'll be interesting, I guess, how they tackle that. Um, yeah, so I think there's, there's a few areas that they're definitely trialling things. So I think, you know, until the actual season's run and run and won, we won't really be able to sort of comment, I guess, on how effective it is. But, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens in the, in the coming months, that's for sure. And we'll see you at um, some of the other upcoming NRS events? Uh, yeah, look, that's the plan. You know, like we've definitely obviously got a very strong roster with uh, – a strong team and when you can only take five you sort of build a team around the, the demands of the events so like I personally don't know what my the rest of my season will hold but um, I'm sure we've got a plan in, in place and you know I guess on a personal level I'll be building towards the end of the year as most people I guess or most athletes are sort of you know towards the the pointy end of January so um, yeah I think the NRS is a great sort of um, ground to sort of work towards those those goals at the end of the season, but yeah, who who knows? <laughs> yeah. Oh, just on that. Um, how do you think you'll go about um with this later finish to the NRS with the uh, tour Tasmania being pushed a bit later? Um, are you going to advise your athletes and what and yourself to uh, try and carry the form through to the to nationals? Are you going to try and take a bit of that off season? Like um. Yeah, I think it's different. It's, it's interesting. I think you definitely have to look at it in terms of where you take your off season. Um, so if if anything, I think having a bit of a break leading into, say, the Tour of Tassie and then into the Giro della Donna as well is not necessarily a bad thing um, because there is a bit of a break, I think, between Gippsland and then leading into Tassie. So you're almost better off sort of having, I guess, a bit of a break there and then building so that you essentially are running from you know, November and then through to say mid December and then um yeah, potentially having a small sort of sort of break I guess leading into January. Um just to sort of freshen up the, the legs and the legs and head. Um yeah, and then it obviously it, it depends on, you know, which races you end up getting picked for. But I think if you're planning on doing the majority of the NRS and then running internationals yeah, it's a busy time of the year, so I think you almost have to have a break leading into it and then a micro sort of recovery sort of around Christmas and then just sharpen up the legs for the summer months. Well, there we go. That's the, that's the final word. That's the inside a hot tip. <laughs> Come and judge me in February and I'll tell you whether I survive. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see We'll see if it works or not. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, cheers, Kate. Thanks, thanks for your time. That was, that was great.
No worries, Jamie. Take and, care. And congratulations on the performance again. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Thank you.